0: From Mogadishu to Minneapolis to Manitoba. Seeking Asylum on 680 CJOB and Global News. Special guest in studio right now, Abdi Ahmed, who left Somalia in 1991. Uh, Abdi, you were a leader in Winnipeg's Somalian community. First of all, before we get into your personal journey... uh, can you tell us what the Somalian community in Winnipeg is like, how large it is, uh, how people become
1: adjusted, how long does it take generally? Uh, thank you for having me. Um, well, thanks the, for coming on. <laughs> thank you. The, Somali, the Somalian community in Winnipeg is not a large community. It's uh, uh, fairly small. Uh, we have about uh, between two to 3,000 people uh, in Winnipeg. Uh, it's been growing, though. Uh, we've uh, seen an increase over the last couple of years uh, when I came in 2003 in Winnipeg, there were there were about uh, 200 to 300 people. So it have been fairly increasing and uh, there are more people. There's a Somali community center, there's a Somali mosque right now. And the community is uh, expanding and more people are seeing Winnipeg to be a place to go. Okay, so you left Somalia in 1991. (laughs) You
0: arrived in Winnipeg in 2003. That's a period of 12 years, if my math is correct. Mm -hmm. Uh, What were you doing between the time you left Somalia Mm -hmm. and the time
1: you arrived here? So my family uh, moved out of Somalia in uh, 1991 at the height of the war. Um, Everybody uh, was looking for a place to be safe when the war happened in Somalia and uh, you know uh, there was uh, bullets flying everywhere and uh, you know lots of generalized violence so uh, uh, it was quite risky so my family made it for the closest uh, uh, neighborhood. You know as refugees happen When those kind of things happen, you go to the nearest place where you can be safe. Um, Most of the people were going to neighboring countries. uh, Some were going to Ethiopia to the north uh, uh, west. Uh, Some were going to Kenya to the south and to the to the southeast, southwest, and the west. Uh, Some were taking boats to. Uh, Yemen, uh, some are going to Djibouti, uh, some are going, were taking boats to India and Pakistan. Uh, so my family made it to Kenya, uh, w- which meant uh, walking and uh, sometimes uh, uh, hi- getting hikes off from well Wishes on um, long-haul tracks uh, on a distance of about 700 kilometers. Did you have
0: to enter that? How did that work when you entered Kenya? So
1: uh, I was quite young at the time. Uh, so, um, it meant that, uh, first of all, uh, personally, I was separated from my family. Um, my family had uh, preceded uh, and made it to Kenya. So, when we came to Kenya, there was a, a, a camp where people were being held as a transit point. Uh, Wait a minute, you were separated from your family yes, at, at what age? Yes, me and my brother, 11 years.
0: Okay, so you're 11 years old. How old's your brother? Uh, he was 8. And you're on your own now? Yeah. No, at, at that time, yes. Okay, so that must have been petrifying.
1: Oh, uh, it's uh, it, it's quite petrifying when you talk about it on a normal circumstance, but it was normal for many young people because, you know, it could have been that you went out to play with your friends, uh, uh, you know, in a soccer match or something like that, just playing outside as being kids. And then you come home, there's no one at home. Um, everybody has fled and people... Uh, fleeing for their lives uh, uh, and you know um, in such a situation you have parents who are wondering who to live and who to go with and, and you know sometimes when you're in that situation it's 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 quite difficult what, what to do because uh, do you wait to die do you uh, do you know whether your kids are alive so many people leave, left their kids and uh, we ended up in this situation where you know um, the Red Cross was reuniting families and it took us about two months to be able to be reunited with, with our family
0: so you're 11 years old and you've got your 8 year old brother to take care of uh, did you turn to the Red Cross immediately? Like a, So
1: on arrival, uh, many people uh, who arrived... Um, this uh, is going from Somalia to Kenya. Yes, uh, on arrival at the border in Kenya. So there's the Red Cross uh, that, uh, you know, th- that were collecting the unaccompanied minors and then uh, checking with the refugee camps if every day there are people over there. So uh, we got connected to our family in in uh, the border town in Mandera. Um, which was close by. And uh, uh, within two months, we were able to connect to their family. Uh, it was a, a joyful reunion. Uh, but, you know, we weren't a special case. Uh, there were about two to three hundred, about 250 to 300 kids, uh, sometimes more, sometimes less, uh, depending on how the reconnection happened. But there were many people, many young people who were unaccompanied in this situation.
0: So, how long did you spend in Kenya before? Coming here? Did you try to build a life there?
1: <coughs> oh, yeah. Um, you know, because you in, grew up there. Right? I mean, let's Yeah, in, in the refugee camp, you don't build a life. Uh, it's you, just about survival. It's it's just about survival. You stay in a camp where you cannot go out. You know, here in Canada, when refugees come, you uh, join the community, you become part of the life. Um, in Kenya, in the refugee camp, you stick in a refugee camp. Uh, of five hundred thousand people. Uh you cannot go out of the refugee camp. You stay in the camp, which is uh, you know, a, a village sort of a thing surrounded. Did you say by... five
0: hundred thousand?
1: Yes. Yes. That's like a city. Yeah. It's 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 uh there's a book recently written called City of Thorns about the dab. Um uh so it's it's like a city uh of five hundred thousand people and you know you can't get out of the refugee camp you stay there. Uh the thing is that um, uh, many people have nowhere to go you stay in the camp you can't uh, venture outside you can't go to uh, kenya you know uh, join the the countryside you, you can't. can't visit anywhere uh, so what are you doing uh, in there? Is
0: it just like waiting for the government to come out with, with food and clothes? And- you know,
1: for kids, it's a normal life because kids, you know, you wake up in the morning, you go play, you come back, uh, you uh, roll in dust all day. Uh, but uh, there's some organized uh, sense of, you know, living in, in the they, uh There are aid agencies that uh, provide support. Uh, for example, there's... Uh, uh, the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees runs the refugee camp. Uh, The organizations, for example, the Scare Canada, which runs the basic living services, for example, uh, collecting sanitation, you know, collecting garbage, doing sanitation work, uh, providing social services to families uh, running the water uh, water facilities uh this uh, uh, a german organization that runs the medical uh, program system for the refugee camp is this uh, still a thing there now yeah all these things are still going these uh, these uh, also care also running the the education program which is uh, from great one to, uh, you know, uh, high school. Uh, Abdi, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. We're yeah. going to have you for
0: another 10 or 15 minutes after nine o'clock. And I thank you for sticking around longer than you'd originally planned. Thank you. The difference, uh, if you could give us in the next minute, between life in that camp as compared to coming over here mm-hmm. and and building a life.
1: Sure. Um, Start now and we'll continue after nine. You know, um, in the camp, it's, it's a refugee camp. You can't, you know, you survive on 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 the UN feeding, you, you know, like you get a ration uh, once every week. You have to line up for food. Uh, you get a seven, 14 day uh, amount of food that, you know, I mean, seven day amount of food that can last you for three days. And the rest of the time, maybe you go hungry. Um, uh, of course, your kids go to school, but you know it's a limited education system. Um, are there jobs for people? Like no, the, there are no jobs. Refugees, uh, what are you just cannot all day? work. Uh, you men get to sit down. Women, uh, uh, m- women are more busier because they get to do the cleaning. They take care of the home, but. Man, just uh, people who have been professionals, who have been running government, who were radio broadcasters, who have all kinds of professionals, are just sitting under the trees doing nothing because you cannot work. Uh, refugees are not allowed to work in the refugee camp. Uh, it's the Shadow Davis Show. Seeking Asylum is our uh,
0: special this week and next. A lot of people have been uh, thinking about the issue of of asylum seekers that have been crossing the border illegally, quote, unquote in the last few months and how the issue is going to expand once the weather starts to get warmer and warmer. We have a special guest in studio, left Somalia in 1991, spent a number of years in Kenya at a refugee camp, and then made his way to Canada, which I'm I'm interested to hear how that happened, Abdi. Uh, Abdi Ahmed uh, is a leader in the Winnipeg Somalian community. He says it's grown from two or three hundred back when you first arrived to uh, almost three thousand now, which is which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we were talking about Somalia and uh, living there with the bullets flying and, and the reason that people are are leaving that country, their homeland, yeah. moving to uh, places like the refugee camp, 500,000 in a refugee camp in Kenya with no garbage collection, uh, no jobs, no running water, that kind of thing, and then making the decision to leave. But what about an extremist terror group like Al-Shabaab, Pretty much running your home country, you know. Are um, you scared every day that that somebody is going to come up <coughs> to you and just stab you for whatever reason,
1: or or is it different than that? It's it's uh, scary back home. Uh, when you look at the asylum seekers, uh, the refugee claimants who are coming through the south of the border, uh, their uh, average age is people who are mostly. 25 years, between 20 to 30 years old. These are young people who will have been the future of Somalia, who will have made that country to be what it is. They are here because of the threat of Al-Shabaab, because Al-Shabaab uh survives on the recruitment of forceful recruitment of young people uh to bolster their image. Uh, al Shabaab well, we is we should tell you that Al Shabaab
0: is a terror extremist group along the lines of ISIS.
1: Yes, um, it's the, ice, it's the ISIS version in in, in, in Somalia and uh You know, we Somalis, Somalis are 99% Muslim. Um, We have a beautiful Somali culture and we syncretize our culture with the Islamic culture. And it's a beautiful thing because we lead this moderate life where we, keep our faith as well as also keep our life as people who are Somalis. But we have extremist groups, uh, majority of Al-Shabaab leaders, for example, are from other countries that from the rest of the world, some are from North America, from Europe, from the Middle East, from Asia, who are coming to impose a certain version of Islam that we do not understand, that we don't identify with. And, uh, you know, uh, they, are here to, uh, they are here in Somalia to be able to... Uh, Pass their, pass their, you know, the version of Islam on people, and people are uh, uh, resenting this. So if you resent this, then uh, you are either going to be killed or you have forcefully have to accept it. So what's happening for these young people is that Al Shabaab, because they survive on young people, they come to people and say, uh, "You either have to join their uh, their militia, leader, mil- militia groups. You have three options: to join the militia groups, or you get killed." And that's that. That's it. Uh, and most or you pe- can leave. I guess. Yeah, or, and, and most young people, the only other option is to have, to be able to survive, is to live. They have these three options. You know, you either leave the country to be able to survive, you join Al-Shabaab and become an extremist, or you get killed. And Al-Shabaab, sometimes they do, they kill people, parade them on the, in, in the center of towns, and shoot people in front of everybody to pass a message that if you refuse to join them, this is what's going to happen to you. And there is no government Mm, there's no, yeah, there's no, gov- there's, there's a weak government in Mogadishu that's just gone through some elections, which is uh, uh recently, which is a very good news uh, for many Somalis because there's some hope. Uh, but the government is weak; it doesn't have lots of uh, uh, military to protect itself and And they cannot stand up to this extremist terror Al-Shabaab controls the vast majority of the country in in most of the towns and they hold uh, uh, most of the areas and the thing is that you know there has been an arms embargo on Somalia since 1992 but arms keeps on flowing to Somalia I don't know where they're coming from black market yeah there's no arms manufactured in Somalia they all come through and you know uh, Al-Shabaab continues to be armed I don't know where this is coming from and people are flowing into Somalia. So most of these young people have the only option to be able to survive and not become extremists is to live and come to, come to a place where they can be safe and you have them here. Well,
0: know. yeah, I mean, so you can either choose to go live in a refugee camp in one of the surrounding mm-hmm. countries of Somalia, as you did mm-hmm, for a few mm-hmm. years, or mm-hmm. you can choose to come to a country where you might have at least the chance to build a life.
1: And even in the refugee camps, there are people who, Al-Shabaab sends people into the refugee camps to spy for them on, on people who escape from Al-Shabaab and people get kidnapped from the camps at night to to back to Somalia so that Al-Shabaab can get hold of them. So if you're a young person and you escape from Al-Shabaab, you feel insecure even in the refugee camps. So you find people making all the trek all the way to these kind of places just to be able to survive and breathe. Okay, so
0: let's say that they make the trip from uh, Somalia, maybe one of the refugee camps for a year or so, and decide, I've had enough of this. I want to go to Little Mogadishu. I'm sure people know about that Mm -hmm. uh, over in Africa, right? Wherever they happen to be. So they make that trip and go, wait a minute, I'm not safe here because of Donald Trump Mm -hmm. and his policies and his new immigration policies. I want to make the trip to Canada. Uh, This whole thing, this whole process can take such a long time to happen. And this is what I've been trying to point out to a lot of people, that you got to be desperate to cross, uh, you know, five kilometers or six kilometers or however long that trip is Mm -hmm. of minus 30 with a Mm -hmm. baby in your arms and you're not dressed for that.
1: You know, I listened to a woman uh, who recently made her refugee claim here, who is a minister in Somalia and uh, minister of gender affairs. And she became, came under threat of Al-Shaba because uh, they said this is a Western way of, of, of you know, uh, with the way she was dealing with. And what she told me is that, you know, let's say you are someone who's a skydiver and you jump from a plane and your parachute doesn't work. Do you stop? Can you stop if you have a if your parachute doesn't work in the in the mid no. of the of the flight? Uh, you pray, you do all kinds of things to be able to make sure that your parachute works. And for most refugees who are making these trips during these cold winters, it's in that situation. You either you have no option; you just have to continue going until you find a place where you survive. And you know uh, what she told me is that, for example, as you are falling down all of a sudden your parachute works how do you feel relief you know prayers are being answered you all kinds of things when people cross canada it's the semblance of your parachute having to work all of a sudden finally opened finally opened and and you know um before that it's it's falling like you know and you're waiting for the time where you're going to be able to survive and and you don't see anything behind you you know, uh, uh, you either you either fall into the hands of the immigration and customs enforcement, where you are likely to be deported back to Somalia and fall into the same situation, or you just have to keep going until you find a place to be able to uh, to survive.
0: Abdi, what do you say to people? And there's a lot of people that they text us regularly. There's some mm-hmm. people that feel that oh, we've had enough of the refugees. It's enough. We we can't do any more. Like what what do you say to people
1: that don't understand? you know, we are all human beings. Um, What I feel is that even those who are saying we have had enough of the refugees, they do not like to see someone die for no reason. Uh, So all of us are human beings. We have been through this. We have been through the conflict in Western Europe, the First World War, Second World War, where millions of people died. We have been through this with the Holocaust, where, uh, you know, millions of people were desecrated by Hitler. And, you know... Um, every, every time that we have been through this with Rwanda, with the genocide, we've been through this with Bosnia. And, you know, when people's lives are threatened, we are human beings. We feel that we need to be open ourselves. So if it happened to us here... Here in Canada, God forbid, I, 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 my, my thing is that it will never happen here in Canada because we are such a great country. If it happened here, we'll be looking for other people to support us. Even those folks who are saying we have had enough of the refugees, if they were in other places and something bad happened to them, they will look for humanity to save them. And we are human and we need to be able to uh, open ourselves to be able to save people who are going through this situation. You know, here's something interesting that Abby told me uh, while we were off the air. You have three
0: children. Two of them were born here in Canada. Yes. And they'll never know or they'll never experience anything that you or your people experienced growing up in Somalia and then making that trip at, at 11 with an eight-year-old brother to try and find your family over in uh, mm-hmm. in a refugee camp. I mean, they'll never know that. They're going to they grow will, up just like yeah. anybody else here.
1: Yeah, my kids my kids, uh, are born here. They will, they will grow up, and they will be surprised by these stories, just yeah. like uh, us who have lived here. And, you know, many of us who are saying we don't want the refugees have parents and family members who have gone through this situation. So we need to be able to appreciate that situation, that, you know, history repeats itself, and we need to be able to uh, look into the future and look uh, to care for people.
0: Thank you for coming in. I totally appreciate you.
1: Thank Take any you. For
0: the extra time to chat Th- with us, and we'll have you on again, okay? Thank you very much. Thank All you right. for having me. Uh, Abdi uh, Ahmed was one of the leaders of the Winnipeg Somalian community, now about 3,000 strong.